You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. scripture a little bit. Um, I want to start off like on a super negative note, but I have a, a, a picture I want Chris to put up there. This is kind of a kind of going to tie in with a little bit what we're talking about this morning. And so it shows some divorce rates, like countries with the highest divorce rate in the world. Now we always hear stuff like the, the divorce rate in our country is like 50%, right? You, you'll hear that like thrown out there, which is like, you know, 78.3% of all uh, stats are just made up anyway. Like I just made up that one, right? <laughs> so they'll say, you know, half of marriages, 50% of marriages uh, end up in divorce. And so actually what they found is it's 3 point, let's see, I wrote down like an exact number here, 3.2 uh, out of 1,000 people. Like 3.2 out of 1,000 marriages. And you know, okay, is that, that really that bad? And next actually you'll see we're tied for third in the world. So that's kind of bad. If you do the math, it's actually like 41% of first-time marriages are in in divorce, and that's like throughout through history, and that's up to current date, forty-one um, percent. And so when we look at that, um, they actually say it goes up for second-time marriages. It's the the number is not quite fifty percent, but it kind of bumps up a little bit from that, um, and, and when it goes to that. So the thing that we're, like, we're looking at here is um, these stats show that it's actually lower among millennials. Now we have millennials and Gen Z that make up most of, not all of, but most of. Awaken Church, and what the, 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 the story is on this is that millennials are choosing to cohabitate versus getting married. So when you break up, there's no divorce, there's no stat for divorce. It's still happening, and it's still happening at an alarming rate. It's just, it just takes that divorce rate down a little bit. So we're seeing that that has a problem as well. But today we're going to look at like our, all of our relationships, and marriage being a, a major relationship that many of us will have in our lifetime. Um, should that be a part of the plan? And so we're going to look at that, but also all of our relationships, our friendships, our, uh, if we're on teams, or if we're in part of a club, our church, all our relationships and how these are affected by this monster inside. And that's kind of our, our theme for this week. So what factors have a negative effect on relationships? Because we live in a, a I mean, if we can probably agree, there's a brokenness of relationships in our, in our culture, right? I mean, we look around, there's a brokenness when it comes to relationships in our culture. So tell me, what are some factors that you believe have a negative impact on relationships? All right, social media can, can definitely have a play in on that. 
Insecurity, yeah. And we're going to hit that. In two weeks from today, we're going to hit that big time. Like insecurities that we face, that we feel. Yeah, that's real. Anything else? Things that, that lead to the, this. Uh, Sometimes when you can know a person for so long, you can assume the emotions on them that they might not even have. Okay, so you can assume things, assume emotions on them they might not have. Definitely, assumptions can lead to a, a big part of this. Any other things you can think of that may be factors here? Pride. Pride, yeah. Yeah, we're, that's, that's part of this, big time. Yeah. Anything else? Communication. communication. That's huge. And there's a lot of the reasons we have the communication. There's some of these other issues, too. But there's pride involved and you know, social media. And I think if everybody saw it on Facebook, then you ought to know. <laughs> and a lot of times that's not the case. So we're in this series, like I said, it's called Monster Inside. And it kind of coincides with October and, and that kind of thing. So we kind of took that as a theme for this. Because it seems like we have this monster, most of us anyway, kind of inside of us. And it's never satisfied. It always wants more. And you could call it the you know, me, our ego, or self if you want. Um, so the thing about today is, how many of us, of us are in love, or ever been in love? Most of us can say, I'm in love, I've been in love, cool. And if you haven't, don't worry, it'll, it'll happen. <laughs> it happens, it really does. Um, yeah, so what, what we want to do today is kind of look at our ideas about love, what our culture kind of says to us about love, and what does Jesus have to say and show us about real love according to him because Jesus is the subject here. So we're John 13 is where we're at. We're going to dig a little deeper into that scripture that Lexi read for us. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn because we're going to come back to that in just a few minutes. But before we do, let's think about this big idea. This big idea is the more you do for those you love, the more you'll get from the relationship. Hear that. The more you do for those you love, the more you get from the relationship. So let's talk about this monster inside. The monster inside is triggered by what we want. The monster inside is triggered by what we want. When it comes to like marriages, there's this, this term that's being used now and in part of our culture, and it's starter marriages. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but people are having what they call starter marriages. Like they would have you know, all kinds of starter things. Like you're going to have a starter marriage and have some starter, starter family with starter kids so that you can see, you can work through it so you can get it right for the next one. That's what a starter business is for or a starter whatever. So you can get it right so you can go to the next one. And I just think that's, that's crazy. Like you have families that you're starting, but you're, the thing is, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go have another one. And so there's this, this, this uh, it's like a model of something. You're just given a trial run, like a prototype. And the way, <laughs> that way what we do is we're getting what we want. We're getting closer to what we want. And so a part of us hears that and go, well, that kind of sounds right. I mean, we would do that with all kinds of other things. I changed my major three times before I finally got it figured out. I mean, I had starter majors. I took classes that absolutely, I look back now and go, they, they didn't count towards anything, <laughs> I, but I took them. <laughs> yeah, so we have the starter idea, and when we do this, we feel like it's getting us closer to what we want. Why, what do we do with the relationship when we just doesn't feel like it should? You don't have to answer that. Just think about it. What, what do you do with relationships when they just don't feel like you think they should? So I'm going to let you guys in on something. And I heard this, I didn't get a big epiphany, this is not a word from God, I just heard somebody else say this, and I was like, you know what, it makes sense. The secret to happiness is low expectations. 
Lower your expectations. If it's about you and your expectations, just lower them. And that's how you get happy. And it's like, you know, how are you happy in your relationship? Well, he's, I don't expect much, and he delivers. I mean, that's just kind of the, that's just kind of the way if you want to be happy. And I heard somebody say this, I'm like, you know what? That probably would work for a lot of people. Just have low expectations. But I don't know that that's really the answer we want to come to. In our story of Jesus and his disciples, we find that they're gathered around for the Passover meal. Now, this is, if you're not familiar with this, Jesus and his disciples are all Jews. This is a, this is a common, uh, every year they would have, gather for this feast. People had done it for hundreds of years up to Jesus. They still do it today. And Jesus and his disciples are gathered around for this Passover meal. The thing about this particular Passover meal is this is going to be Jesus' last one in physical form on this earth because that's the night he's about to be betrayed. He's going to be before the next 24 hours unfolds. He's going to be put on a trial that's a mock trial. It's a joke. It's actually illegal if you look at the laws of their day. The, the, the trial Jesus was put on was illegal. And then he's going to be executed, put up on a cross. He's going to suffocate. He's going to die. This is all going to happen within the next 24 hours. He kind of knows that. I mean, he's son of God. He knows this is coming. And this is what's happening. This is the scene here. He's that They're at this, this Passover meal. It's a special celebration. And one of the culturally appropriate things that was supposed to take place, which seems a little weird to us, is that the least important person, probably a, usually a servant, because not the family member, washes everyone's feet when they arrive. Because they had no paved sidewalks, they had no paved roads, they walked everywhere they went. When you went to a home, their culture was the servant, the least important servant, would wash everyone's feet. That's a cultural thing that they did. And here's the thing about the expectations. I think the disciples of Jesus were all happy in this moment because, one, it's the Passover. Everybody celebrates and is happy on the Passover. And another thing is their expectations are low. I'm not washing my brother's feet, and I'm not expecting him to wash mine. Nobody expected anybody else to do this. So they have this like low expectations in the moment that Jesus actually steps up in. So the thing is we actually have high expectations, though, don't we? I mean, we do. We have, and, and probably for good. Our happiness, though, seems to rise and fall on how our expectations are met. That's what happens with us. Our happiness, my happiness, it seems to rise and fall on how well our expectations are met. So this is where a lot of people live. And, and, and uh, this is, he's just not living up to my expectations. She's, she's, you know, I expected things would be different. She's, she's different than what I expected. You know, you, I hear these kind of things. She, she never does what I expect of her. He never does what I expect. I hear that one a lot, too. He never does what I expect. We have these high expectations. When we define love as something we get from others, we wind up frustrated. We want something, and they're just not providing it, so we get frustrated. We wind up disappointed. We're not getting what we thought we would out of this relationship, and we're just, we're just disappointed with this. We wind up angry. They didn't deliver, and now I'm just angry about it. I'm angry that I wasted, that, I wasted this many months or this many years with that jerk. We get angry, and we define love as something we get from others. So the monster inside is triggered by what we want. The next thing we know, the monster stole our love. What we need is a new definition of love. Love needs a new definition. We need to grab a hold of a new definition. And it's not really a new definition. It's an ancient definition. But for our culture, it can certainly sound new. But think about our culture. I go back to my growing up years, and I think of this song. The band was called Foreigner. 
the song said, I want to know what love is. I know you can show me. That was, that was like the jam. And he was like, oh, I want to know what love is. Yeah, that's right. Then along comes the 90s. Hathaway comes along. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. What is love? Same question. What is love? What is, what is love? Then there's this gospel singer, Carrie Job, says, what love is this? Go way back, Jackie DeShannon, say, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Probably heard that one, too. That's a good old song. And the White Stripes said, you don't know what love is. You just do as you're told. What is love? We need this definition. That's the question that we need to answer, right? What is love? We can spend all day. They probably be like, you got to leave the theater. We got to start showing it again because you're in here talking about what is love. <laughs> love is what you do for someone, not what you get from them. Love is what you do for someone, not what you get from them. Love is what you bring to the relationship. Love is, is it's, you know, we might hear this and think, yeah. But I don't want to be a doormat. Well, yeah, I'm not saying be a doormat. No, I don't lay down and be stepped on. But it's but it, nobody knows us better than Jesus. Let's look at this. I mean, well, I don't want to be a doormat. But Jesus shows us what it's like to be for someone. Don't you get from them? Verse three of what uh, we we read this morning in John 13 says Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything, all authority, and that he had come from God and returned to God. He had all authority. He's about to be betrayed. He's about to be lied about. He's about to be denied, and they're all about to leave him. All of his friends, his closest buddies, the, we call them disciples. All authority. If we had, if I had all authority, that would trigger the monster inside for real. Like I have all authority. Oh yeah, Bruce Almighty will be Steve Almighty. I'd be like, bring the moon in, you know, that kind of stuff. But Jesus demonstrated what love really looks like in this moment. Most of us would probably head for the exit. Jesus, that's not what he did. Instead of heading for the exit and running, he stayed. He knew it was going to get really bad really fast. He knew it was going to. He knew that all that was about to transpire was going to transpire. He even takes some time in prayer right after this meal and says, Lord, if there's any way that this can pass, but not my will but yours be done. And he decided to go ahead and love these guys anyway. Judas is going to betray him. You'll wash his feet and eat, and eat this meal with him. Peter, who's going to deny him three times before the next morning? He said, I'm going to wash your feet anyway. All of them are going to run and hide. Jesus chooses to love them and serve them ahead of time. So verse 4 says, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And then we kind of fast forward to verse 6. We didn't really read this part of the story. Uh, but in this part of the story, there's Peter, one of his disciples and closest friends. And his response shows us something radical is going on here with Jesus. And Jesus, he's the teacher. And Peter said, no, you can't do this. And, and Jesus, he's the rabbi. He's the, he's the leader. He's the son of God. And he's taking on the role of the least important person in the place, a servant. And in verse 8, Peter actually protests. No way! Jesus says, Yahweh. <laughs> Yahweh. 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 Love asks us. Let that It's because you sent me the meme. That's why. <laughs> love asks us to do for others what we always wanted from them. That's what love asks of us. Do for others what we always wanted from them. And Jesus says, This is real love. This is real love. And this is the way to love. The whole foot washing thing, man, it's really deep. 
He's like, you got to do this and go forward. Verse 15, same chapter. I've given you this example to follow. Do as I've done to you. In other words, he's saying serve each other. Take, take the lowest servant space and do it for each other. Make it about them instead of you. Love them the way I've loved you. So the world's way of defining love is something you get from others, and it's all about from. But Jesus shows us a different way of defining love and expressing love, and it's all about what we desire for others. And this monster inside stole your love. So it's time to take back what's been stolen. You can take back what's been stolen. We can take back what's been stolen. <laughs> I heard this story back in April, I think it was April, it was earlier this year, and it was about this lady who had this Toyota 4Runner. Her name's Danielle Reno in Missouri, and I wrote it all down because I wouldn't remember this name or anything. Um, and there should be, a, there was a picture, yeah, that's not her car, but that's what her car looked like. It's a Toyota 4Runner right there, because in case you don't know. So what happened was, <laughs> she was at the gas station, stepped out to, to, to pay or whatever, and her, her car drives away. It was stolen at the gas station. And the thing about um, Danielle Reno's thing was her cell phone, her purse, with everything, credit cards, ID, everything is in this car. And it's stolen. So she reports it's stolen, but then she doesn't just sit around and wait for the police to like do their job. She tracks her cell phone. She gets with her uh, lenders with their credit cards and tracks where her credit cards are being spent. And so within 48 hours, she finds her Toyota 4Runner in the Applebee's parking lot where this woman who had stolen her car had been driving around for two days spending her money with her credit cards, went to Applebee's, went there to get a big plate of whatever, you know, probably some chicken, grilled chicken, salad, maybe some drinks, yeah, head to the bar. Yeah, that's what she probably did, went up to the bar. And Danielle goes, takes her car back. She just takes it. Calls the police. She's at Applebee's, I got my car. <laughs> police come to Applebee's, arrest this woman who had stolen her vehicle. She did not let the responsibility just lie with somebody else. She took, she, she took I'm 100%, 100% responsible for taking charge of my life. I'm 100% responsible for this. So how much responsibility of your relationships lies with you? Because here's kind of the thing with this. We get this cultural assumption that, that the relationship is 100% about me and what I receive. So that means the other person or persons in this relationship is 100% responsible for my happiness. Because that's what we make it about. And it's all about what I want, what I need. And if we're being honest, it's 0% about you from my standpoint. And it's 0% about God. That's just kind of we got What's God got to do with this? This is our relationship. When others are 100% responsible for your happiness, it leads to misery. And this is how the majority of our relationships in our culture work. That's why they don't work. Sometimes that's why even in relationships like between church family members don't work. I've heard so many times, I was still getting what I needed at that church. Maybe, were you giving everything you needed to be giving at that church? I mean, that's just a question. What could be considered a step in the right direction, though, is more of a, it's a give and take of relationship. Kind of take the washing feet thing back in. I'll wash your feet if you wash my feet. I mean, I'll, we should meet halfway. That sounds better, right? Because we that's what we do. Marriage, relationships, dating, it should be 
Meet me halfway. And this way, you and I are both 50, 50% responsible for each other's happiness and making the relationship work. I'm half responsible for it. You're half responsible for it. It's very humanist, and it still leaves God completely out. Zero percent God. I got half, you got half. And when both are focused on what we get from the relationship, no one really ends up happy. Not truly happy. When both are focused on what we get, no one ends up truly happy. So what would radically transform your life? I mean, what would radically transform relationships you have? Whatever, whatever kind of relationship. Friendships, dating, marriage, uh, you know, within your circle of influence or circle of friends. What would transform your life? If I get metaphysical for just a minute, what if the 100% was, I'm 100% responsible for this relationship, and I'm going to bring God in. God is also 100% responsible for this relationship. Because when you are 100% responsible for your relationship and God is 100% responsible for your relationship, it leads to satisfaction. It leads to this, this, this peace, this, this joy in this relationship. And you know why? Because in this formula, you lose the expectations of the other person. It's not about what you want. It's about what you want for. What you want for that person. And obviously this only really works if both people in the relationship get it. 100% for you. We're both 100% want God to be a part of this relationship, being the part of a relationship. And I know this sounds hard. It sounds difficult. Man, 100% about the other person? Well, what if there's all these what ifs? What if, what if this? What if, what, if, what if that? It's hard. And you may say, I don't have the strength for this. And I don't either, but the good news is God does. This is how my marriage, 29-year marriage, has worked. is because we learned through somewhere along the way, it wasn't when we started out this way, but along the way we learned, you know what, God's got to be the center of this. And i got to be, not what I get from you, Shelly, but what can I do for you? And she does the same way. Jesus has this great, great quote uh, from his famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, that we can just tie to this. It's found in Matthew 7, 12, and he says, Do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is love. You know, it's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This, this, that's why it's called the golden rule. It's what love is. Love isn't about what you get from the relationship. Love's about what you do for the other person in the relationship. And the more you do for those you love, the more you get from the relationship. Peace, satisfaction. The more you do for them. Guys, I absolutely, I'll tell you, I hate, hate when dishes are in the sink in my house because I hate touching them. I hate, I'm not Mr. Super Neat Clean Freak. It's just my one thing. I put my hand in there and dishes that have been sitting and there's grease and there's cold water and it's just, it's gross. I hate it. But you know what I do? I work from home. My wife works in an office in town. I take, when there's dishes in the sink, they're not even mine. I have three, three boys, three sons. It's always dishes that aren't mine. You know what I want to do? I love my wife. And so I want to do this for her. I don't do it for any other reason. I do this for her so she doesn't have to come home and do it. That's the only reason I do it. It's not I'm not saying to brag or anything. I'm just saying this is how it works. This is how it works. So what are some next steps we can take? And there's a couple. I'll just make some suggestions. You guys are super creative people, and I know you can think of, like, you can even pray yourself. God, what next step do I need to take here? But here's a couple of suggestions. One is just start relying on God 
for at least one thing you feel you need. Like, bring God into your life, into your relationships. Like, there's something you need. You know what, God? I'm going to just rely on you for this. I'm going to rely on you for this. And that may, that may be, you may be in for quite a long haul with that one. <laughs> but I challenge you to try that. Take that step of just relying on God for at least one thing if you feel you need any relationships. And another step is do at least two things for the person you love. Just do it for them. Not to get something back, not to be able to go, you know what, I did this for you. You probably should do something for me. Don't drop, drop all that. <laughs> just do it for them. This will begin to kill that monster inside that stole your love. Because that's what we're trying to do here. We're going to recognize we all have the potential to have the monster inside. Actually, we do. We want to kill it. We want to, we want to step on it. We want, to, we want to grow out of it and be able to go forward with our love, our relationships. And uh, next week, we're going to look at, man, how does this affect us with our finances, money and stuff like that? What does that monster inside do with that? And then the week after that, I mentioned it a while ago, our own identity and basically really insecurity that we feel. That monster inside is not all about ego sometimes. It's about the insecurity. So we're going to get deeper into that as we go. Um, today we're going to just end with that. I want to say a word of prayer. We're going to have uh, the guys come up. We'll sing another song. And I'll do this. Um, I'll do this every week. But you know, if somebody wants to pray, just need somebody to pray with you, I'm going to step just in the back back there to leave and just kind of hang out. And if anybody wants to, like, to me to pray with you, just come on back and I'll pray with you while this next song is being sung. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for just your presence with us. Thank you for this word this morning. Jesus, you gave us an example that just blows our mind when we think about this reality. That you, Son of God, the one we sing to, we call King, knelt down and washed the feet of your disciples. They were your friends, they were your brothers. But Lord, you're the King of kings. You're, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. Son of God. And Lord, we thank you that you did that for them. But in a way, Lord, you've done it for us. It's serving. It's, it's showing what love really is. And you gave us this example to follow. And God, we just, I confess, it's difficult to love others the way you love. But I thank you that you put your love in us. And not just so that we can have it, but Lord, it can go through us. You want to love others through us. Regardless of who they are. Where they're from, what their background is. You want to see your, your people love. So that we say, start with us and love through us. Help us in our relationships. Let us pray over right now. Any relationships that's here, that's represented this morning, be it a marriage or a, a dating relationship or, or something that's just it's broken or it's, it's just on the rocks or it's just stressful. Lord, I pray that you would be right in the middle of that relationship and you would bring peace. And you bring restoration. You bring reconciliation. That, Lord, in our relationships, in our homes, that we would be more like you in every moment. And we need you and your strength to help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church. Or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.